Hi, I'm Christine Dore, owner of Neococo. And I'm Tammy Tan, owner of Spice Hound. And we are co-owners at Kitchen 519, our shared-use commercial kitchen in the San Francisco Bay Area. Welcome to Let Us Wrap, the podcast about food, food business, and the people who work in the industry. Today, we're meeting with Jack Epstein of Chocolate Covered. Welcome, Jack. Thank you for being with us today. My pleasure. We are in his shop. And yeah. surrounded by be- beautiful chocolates, beautiful boxes. I know, beautiful decorative boxes. And from what I understood, you're celebrating your 25th anniversary. I started this business, um, not quite a whim, but it just seemed like in 1994, the neighborhood I live in didn't have a chocolate store. And the business I had at the time, although made money, didn't make enough money to see the expenses I saw happening in San Francisco. And I thought I needed something else. and. Uh, I was very fortunate to have chosen chocolate because it's become a wonderful thing. What kind of store was it? What kind of retail was it? Oh, my other business? Mm -hmm. It still exists today. It's called Oceanfront Walkers. It's evolved. Uh, In 1979, I started a business in Venice Beach with my partner, Marilyn, and we made clothing and we sold at arts and crafts festivals around the country. And in 1983, we decided to move it to San Francisco because there were more festivals in the Bay Area than there were in Southern California. And so we moved here in 1983 and opened up our clothing store, which sold mainly things that we designed and made ourselves. And so we had our base here in Noy Valley where we had a store. And then we went out and did festivals from San Diego to Seattle and as far uh, east as uh, Arizona and once into New Mexico. And uh, that supported the two of us for many years, but the handwriting was on the wall that we needed something else. And um, as I said earlier, I was very fortunate that chocolate came to mind and it's become the passion of my life, uh, selling chocolate to people. When you started in 1994, were there other chocolate stores in the city? No, um, there had been a pretty famous little chocolate store here, uh, Coca-Cola, Alice Medrich, but she had been embezzled out of business. (gasps) And she was out of business uh, for a couple of years. And there was a candy store, but it was like a kid's candy bulk store. And uh, the reason I did the chocolate store is because I had left I live here in Noy Valley, and I had left twice that month to buy chocolate as a gift for my partner's stepmother. And so I thought if I was leaving the neighborhood, so was everyone else. And since I was already a retailer here in the neighborhood, I thought it would be easier to manage another business right here where I live than to open another far-flung uh, store of my of my own. So I opened mm-hmm. Chocolate Covered in a basement store in 1994, a 200-square-foot basement store in the middle of the neighborhood which was good, the basement, which was not good, but I did it anyway. <laughs> but it's good for chocolate. Yeah, it, it was. It kept it cool. It was nice. <laughs> so let's go back a little bit. Uh, so where did you grow up? Like, where did, where did you come from? I grew up in Manhattan. Uh, oh, New York boy. Yeah, uh, and I was just there for my first 17 years. I left for college to Boston University in, in 1970. Uh, some tumultuous years, 70 to 74, and I was not a great student, but I managed to get a four-year degree in uh, African history, uh, which, uh, as you can see, how much I'm using that today. <laughs> uh, but, you know, a liberal arts education gives you many skills, and I'm very happy to have it. And uh, within a week of graduating, two weeks of graduating, my older brother was in Venice Beach, and I adore him. And I moved out and moved in with him in Venice Beach in 1974. 
and I did as little as I could for the next seven months, and uh, living at the beach, doing Tai Chi, and uh, you know, just having fun, and uh, doing a few part-time jobs, and then at some point, my bar mitzvah money ran out, and I had to get a real job, and my brother knew some people in the garment industry, and that's how I got into making clothing. And although uh, I was not that excited to work downtown LA, um, I did that for a few years. And then I stopped and I, I left Los Angeles for about a year. Uh, and then I came back and resumed my garment thing. And then within six months, I started this new business with my partner on Oceanfront Walk. And we sold right on the boardwalk. We would sell on the boardwalk. I'd go body surfing and come back and then eat some french fries from the Howie's hot dog truck. And <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a lot of fun. But um, as much as I did love living at the beach, it was time to move, and we came here to San Francisco, and I have no regrets about that. So have you always been an entrepreneur? Well, since I've only worked for someone else, I'm 65, going to be 66 in a few months, and I've only worked for someone else for two and a half years, I'd say I've mostly made my income on my own, either as my clothing business, which still exists today, not in the same form. Now we still have a store on the same block as my chocolate store on the next block, same side of the street. And we mainly sell really fun pajamas that other people make. So instead of manufacturing fun clothing, which is what we did um, when we stopped making our own, we started buying other people's fun clothing. So we have a store that sells wonderful pajamas with uh, cats and dogs and sushi and flowers and all kinds of novelty prints and also socks and other things. That store has evolved, done many things over its existence. Uh, right now, it's it's pretty much features pajamas. My partner runs that, and she that's on one block of 24th Street. I run the chocolate store, which is on the next block, and the house that we've rented for 28 years is on the next block. So I've designed a fairly convenient life. <laughs> yes, it's very tight. So between yeah. all your businesses, when you started it, did you actually create a business plan or did you just go for it? Aware from the go for it days. Yes, I thought so. <laughs> I have no business plans. I have no no computer flow sheets. Did you have a vision? Uh, just making a living. Okay. Just, yeah. That's a very motivating, yeah, actually, yeah, right? Yeah. But then the good thing is that, you, like you said, you've, you've evolved, right? I mean, with your clothing business, you evolved. And then now... With chocolate, chocolate comfort. business, I totally use the word evolution all the time because when I started in 1994, most of the people I sell today didn't exist. Um, there, I have maybe three or four people that go back the whole 25 years, and I sell well over 100 different lines of chocolate now. Most of them weren't in business 10 years ago, and a good portion weren't in business five years ago. This business that we're in is uh, still opening up at an exponential rate new manufacturers all over this country and all over the world. I have from over 25 countries. I just ordered chocolate from Poland last week for the first time, a craft chocolatier. There are people doing artisan chocolate in every country. Um, I've had samples from countries I don't even know where they are. <laughs> uh, um, so, uh, But the samples come, uh, and if I think it'll work, if I think um, I can get them and uh, people would want them, I'm, I'm not afraid to try stuff. So, Well, that brings us to how do you choose? How do you know what's going to sell? Uh, no one knows what, well, I have some indication based on 25 years of experience, but you can't be sure of what's going to sell. But 
I I take a chance and I, I, I just try things based on my belief that they're going to sell because their quality of the chocolate is competitive with the other things that are here. Their packaging is good. Their whole story is good. Then, like I say, I'm not afraid to spend a few hundred dollars to test a company. And if it does well, it stays for as long as for they can supply me. And if it doesn't do well, there are many people who have been in here one and done. Uh, so you relay the story to your customer. That's important part of the sale. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, everybody uh, wants to know where they're from, and and as much you know, you don't want to overwhelm people with detail. But I do tell people the story as much as I know of the various businesses. What percentage of the chocolates that you carry are local versus um, the rest of the world? I guess, or versus even American. Probably. A- 10% or so. I have at least 10 companies out of 100 that are local. That's a common question here. Customers, uh, tourists want to buy local. Locals want to give local. So um, the local tour is one of our most common things. Uh, my store is too small and too packed for me to have a local area because things are constantly moved around just to make things fit. So we will take people on the local tour and, and show them Dandelion and Michael Misher and Lamarette and Neo Coco and Jade <laughs> and uh, Ninth and Larkin and uh, Maison Bouche. So between Oakland and San Francisco and down to the peninsula, I'll, I'll point out the Poco Dolce or the yeah. Stars, Charles. Uh, so there's plenty and people are in Fev. I just keep thinking about yeah. there's, there's more and more uh, local people. Between the 25 years you've been here, how have you seen the the craft chocolate industry changed? Well, it's it's changed in so many ways. Uh, there's just so much creative product out that just didn't exist before. And uh, another main change is the price point. When I started, the most expensive bar I had was the Valrona 71% Noir, and it was I sold it for five dollars. And, and that was uh, probably a dark. If that was yeah, like really dark, that was the darkest yeah. that was available pretty much at that time. So the darkest was seventy one percent. The most expensive bar I sold was five dollars, and now five dollars is a budget line, and seventy one percent is kind of average. Um, I sell up through a hundred percent unsweetened, but made for eating chocolate, which is one of our biggest niches right now because so many people are uh, avoiding sugar and eating chocolate as a health food, and whatever health benefits there are, and I always say real or imagined are. <laughs> Are, um, from the higher you can enjoy. I tell people, don't eat higher than you can enjoy if you're eating it for that reason. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was about the sugar, like the, sh- the less sugar, the healthier. That's it. I mean, the um, many scientific articles that have come out, and I didn't pay for any of them, are um, about how cacao is, you know, got antioxidants like red wine and uh, numerous other benefits, but it's not the sugar. So whatever benefits are, the more c- are from the higher cacao levels. And have you seen your palate change? I mean, what is your preference, uh, milk, white, or dark? I Well, for various things. If it's plain, I like things fairly dark. If it has things like almonds or salts or chilies in it that I like, it can be much sweeter. It could be milk chocolate. Uh, it's about balance. What's your favorite type of candy that's not chocolate? <laughs> is that possible? Well, to be honest, I'm, I, I never ate candy. I, I've never had, uh, I never chewed gum. I don't eat jelly beans. What little chocolate I ate growing up was this, we'd go into the candy store and they'd have a jar with chunks of chocolate, chunks of milk chocolate predominantly. And that's what I, little I ate. And uh, I've never been a candy person, uh, but I do like chocolate. Um, I like our most 
the best-selling chocolate in my store is a spicy chocolate from New Mexico, and that is my favorite confection right now, red chilies and pistachio nuts from Santa Fe, from a company called Senior Murphy's. But I'm also happy with a couple of chocolate Oreos. Uh, I, oh. I am... Um, not as much of a gourmet personally as the gourmets I service. I provide many items in the store that I have no use for for my own personal palate, but I know people like raspberry and blueberry and cherry and Earl Grey and passion fruit and guava. And we have shrimp and bonito bars from Singapore. We have mushroom bars, uh, porcini mushroom bars from Lithuania. We have um, blue cheese bars from Oregon. Uh, I'm not afraid to try exotic tastes to sell, but not necessarily for me to eat, to be honest. I, I'm, uh, I, my taste buds are uh, more basic. So um, what do you think about Oreo with all their different lines of flavors they're starting to come out with? Um uh, haven't really noticed that. Yet. Really? Uh, I'm, what, I'm just going with the classic, just yeah. regular Oreo. Well, and, and Kit Kat, how they have all the different flavors. It means no. nothing to me, no. Kit Kat and candy bars. I didn't eat Mars. I didn't eat Mounds. I, I would have, uh, I, most I would have would be a, a Nestle's, but not the Crunch Bar, the Nestle's Plain Bar. A very basic diet. <laughs> What do you think about the larger companies buying up these craft chocolates? I mean, uh, like Scharfenberger with Hershey's. Yeah. Well, I think it's a, a big mistake for them. <laughs> and they found that out with uh, Hershey's came in and in a few months period bought uh, Scharfenberger, Dagoba and Joseph Schmidt. And as soon as they did, I stopped selling Schaffenberger and Dagoba and Joseph Schmidt. They didn't do anything with because you can't make a nationally distributed truffle line there's no shelf life there and so they must have realized that and and they stopped they didn't do anything with joseph's line it's a it's a oxymoron artisan chocolate and hershey's i mean they want businesses that sell i, I can't imagine that they're not happy if they don't sell 100 or 200 million dollars and you're no longer an artisan craft chocolate or any kind of food business if you're selling that kind of volume yeah, and Christine, I mean, you recently just went to London, and even Cadbury is trying to get into the artisan chocolate lines. So it's, it, not only are they not buying, I mean, they necessarily aren't buying up, you know, other names. They're trying to even develop it themselves. It's like the beard industry, I guess. Yeah, well, craft brews have been bought, obviously, here in the yeah. Bay Area, several of them have been bought by larger companies. And, you know, maybe they can make it work, but uh, I don't see it really working in the chocolate world for me anyway because once they buy it i'm done with them <laughs> yeah. so so speaking of which uh, who's your competition would you say well there's no other store exactly like mine in the country there are uh, several other stores that i'm aware of in various cities that that carry three or four hundred wonderful bars and they're very nice stores but i sell over a thousand different chocolate bars and then the I also have developed, uh, and it wasn't part of the original plan, um, I do these decorative boxes using an ancient photo process called cyanotype. And on the walls of this little 600-square-foot store, along with the well over a 1,000 bars and the other couple of hundred confections, are over 5,000 boxes with images mostly of San Francisco, but not entirely, on the walls held by over 8,000 magnets. And we sell them off the wall, and people have the option to buy them empty or to fill them with chocolate. 
And I also make these boxes custom for people. And nobody does this at all anywhere in the world other than me. And no one has as large a collection of chocolate than I do. So even though I don't advertise or never have paid for advertising for my store, it's continually grown every year for 25 years. Not astronomically, but every year is more than the year before, which is our motto. All we want to do is a little more than the year before. <laughs> and as long as that keeps going, I'm, I'm pretty happy and content. Well, let me describe the store a little bit. There is chocolate lined all, all around. And where you can't reach for chocolate, there are boxes. So tin boxes that have this artistic blue and white photography of, I don't know, I think everything. Two thirds of San Francisco, over 1800 of the city's 26 or 700 streets and over a thousand of the city's schools, bars, bookstores, coffee shops, parks, commemorative things. I've been written up in several travel guides, and one from Taiwan I always like because they, they, they referred to them when I got the translation. It said they call them golden memory boxes, which, uh, which pleases me. And that's why people buy the street signs. It's because that's where they live or once lived. It's either their first or last name. People buy the restaurants and places where couples met, whether it was the End Up Bar or whether it was a first date at Zuni Cafe. There's memories. I tell people you don't buy them because they're boxes. You buy them for the image, but you can use them because they're boxes. And do you make custom boxes? I do. I do all the time. Uh, people bring me any image. As long as there's some detail, as long as it's not too dark and shadowy, I can generally give them back something. And I always say you can go for the funny bone or the heartstrings. I've done many silly pictures, but much more poignant pictures of people who've passed, animals who've passed. But it could be just a group of friends who went out to dinner that night you know, and, and there's a picture from that evening. So do you fill it with chocolate always? or just Not always. Just I'd say half the time. There's times people buy them empty and I'm happy with that. But, you know, and often uh, a box gets filled and, and that's, uh, that's a complete gift. Or I call it the wow and the oh wow. Wow if people get the gift and you've chosen the image right. And oh wow when they open it up and see that you've put in something that is also quite appropriate. Oh, that's beautiful. That is nice. very sweet. So in terms of your customer base, do you have an idea like how much are kind of local customers that just walk off the well, street or versus tourists? Well, this neighborhood doesn't get a ton of tourists. We get a lot of people who are visiting their people in the neighborhood, and there's people who stay in Airbnbs in the neighborhood. But uh, 24th Street has not evolved. Speaking of evolution, it's devolved as far as retail, as, as many commercial streets have. And, uh, you know, our exercise places, banks, nail salons don't draw a, a throng of people now. But um, the neighborhood has supported me for the 25 years. I have many, many local customers that even with my little adult memory, I can remember most many of their names. And, and their children who came in here were five and six are now in or out of college. It's uh, a little disturbing, but it's, it's fun. And, uh, but after 25 years and word of mouth within the world of chocolate, I get a chocolate tourist. If anyone makes any minimal effort to Google chocolate in San Francisco and they get to my Yelp reviews or any of the other articles written about me, they come here. And when they come in, uh, I could usually tell people who come in for the first time because they their head just spins. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I met. It's very overwhelming. It is. Yeah. I mean, because it is a long, straight shot it's through. Eight and, and a half feet wide by 70 feet long. And retail is in the first 40 feet or so. And then the back 30 feet is my stock and staging and where I hand make the boxes right here in the store. 
I'm often, I have a box in my hand that I'm gluing or putting together while I'm walking around the store helping people find chocolate. I, I do try to multitask here. <laughs> so is there going to be another store someday? I doubt it. It would take somebody would not only, uh, I, I'm solvent and happy to be solvent. I am, as I mentioned, almost 66 and I don't have the energy to do um, a whole series. I don't want to, I walk a half a block to work. I don't want to get in a car and commute. I don't want to be shifting stock from store to store. If somebody uh, wanted to throw a whole lot of money at me and also wanted to be someone who worked the store, I could consider it. <laughs> but uh, I'm not looking for myself to do more than this. I'm just happy that this store continues to grow, uh, continues to provide me with the income so I don't have to move to some retirement community uh, outside of San Francisco. I'm just happy to keep doing what I'm doing for as long as I can right here. Do you see uh, getting even more chocolates in here from over more vendors and getting more boxes? I can't see where any more can fit. but That is the, the trouble. Literally, if I buy a line, I just bought this line from Poland, as I mentioned. I bought about 10 bars. And when they come in, I, I don't know where they're going now. So when they come in, I have to go, well, I've sold down on this line. They can move to this shelf, and this can move to this shelf. That'll open up 10 spots on this shelf. And that's kind of how I do it. And then uh, I often joke, if customers stand still long enough, I'm going to turn you into a shelf. You know, I, I've, I've taken uh, many, I get a lot of chocolate sent to me in these styrofoam coolers, which I, I can't always find people to take away, and I don't like to throw them away, but I've turned many of them into, into shelves. So those are on the generally on the ground? On the ground, yeah, just wherever I can stick it, and then just uh, it becomes a shelf, and it also becomes a fail-safe. If it ever gets so hot again, I can always hide my chocolate in the coolers and throw in some ice packs. Yeah, does that happen? It, well, uh, two years ago, we had these two days that were 106 in a row in the city. Since this store is on the shady side of the street and it's kind of like a cave, I'm fine even in the 80s here. Uh, the store starts out cool in the morning. If it's a really hot day, we'll just keep the door closed and it stays fine and cool. Very lucky. Yeah. But if it's hot several days in a row and the store starts out warm in the morning, that's a little scary. And um, I actually closed the store on a Saturday for the first time in... 20 plus years on that that weekend because I I saw people looking in the store and I go I don't want them to come in with their body heat and then I looked at my employee and I said I don't even want us to be here and so <laughs> right. we closed shut the lights off left some fans on and I went to the beach and uh <laughs> And it cooled down that night, and I came back, and, and nothing was destroyed except some of my nerves. And, uh, and but that was, that's been it in all the years I've been in this location. But now I have a fail-safe plan that if it gets that hot again, I'm not going to leave things out. I'm gonna, I have all these coolers stashed all around the store. The merchandise can go right into it with a few freezer packs, and um, I'll wait out the heat that way next time. How do you how do you keep track of everything on your shelves? <laughs> I'm here 70 hours a week in the store. I walk up and down the aisles all day and I have no no inventory sheets, I have no barcodes. But it's, you have dots. <laughs> I have my dot that's price how I price things with colored dots. Yes. Uh, between 4 and 12 we use a color code. Above 12 we have no more colors so we write the prices in and and there are more and more and more Bars that are above twelve dollars, as we were That's talking amazing. about price earlier, the average price of a craft chocolate bar right now is between eight and twelve dollars, with uh, a greater percentage above 
between 12 and 20 than there are now between five and eight. It's not uncommon for people to bring up four bars to the counter and I tell them $56 and it blows my mind, you know, um, but that's just what it is. And just, I've gone and bought a, I don't drink beer, but I bought a craft beer for a friend of mine and it was $16 for a beer. So, I mean, there's no way that you can make a high quality bar with great ingredients made by human beings who have to pay their bills and have it be inexpensive. Any product well-made obviously can't be inexpensive. If someone comes in and tells me I can give you this line for $1.99 a bar, I go, who's being exploited? Mm -hmm. You know, is it the farmer? Is it the worker? Is it, uh, there's no way you can give me a high quality unless it's just such incredible volume, which then rules you out for an artisan chocolate store. What is the most expensive bar right now that you carry? Well, the Amade Porcelana Bar um, is sells for twenty or twenty-one dollars, and it's only fifty grams. I have a couple other bars that are more expensive, uh, but they're much bigger bars. But per gram, I'd have to say it's uh, usually something called Porcelana. That's a relatively rare strain of the Criollo cacao bean, and. Um, if you see a porcelana that's not expensive, it may not be porcelana. Mm. So it's mostly about uh, the rarity of the bean than it is about it's it's got gold inside. <laughs> no, the, the two main reasons that bars are expensive are the, the genetic strain of the bean is rare and prized or the terroir, where it's grown. If you see things that say Chihuahua from the Chihuahua region of Venezuela, or Marinone from Peru, uh, there are certain regions that... Uh, However, uh, whoever decides this um, are prized, and uh, they're generally more expensive because of where they're grown instead of what is grown. How do they taste? They taste pretty damn good. Really? So you can tell the difference? Well, you, you can only tell that they're good quality. Uh, like I say, everyone decides what's better. It's just like in the wine industry. Someone could like two-buck chuck better than Mouton Cadet, uh, and someone could like um, Lint or Giardelli more than they like one of these 15 or $20 bars. And I don't argue with anybody. Food is so personal. Um, if someone asks for something that uh, I don't sell, if they sell it at Walgreens, I just tell them to go around the corner in Walgreens and get it. I don't put them down for it uh, because everyone's tastes are personal and everyone's right. If you say you like it or you don't like it, I'm never going to argue with you. Right. What are the most popular chocolate bars you're selling right now? Right now, um, as I said earlier, the 100% category has exploded. Uh, three or four years ago, I would have had three or four different 100% bars, and now I have 40 or more 100% wow. bars. Generally, I do sell much more dark chocolate here, but uh, then there's the world of darker milk chocolate. Most people uh, who make craft chocolate, if they make a milk chocolate at all, instead of the cocoa content being between 31 and 41%, it's more like 45 to 75%. Um, so it's the same ingredients in different proportions. So what you're getting, instead of sweet creamy, you're getting more chocolatey creamy. And I, I love that a lot. It's very rich and very wonderful. That does sound good. <laughs> I know. But maybe you'll finally love milk chocolate. Yeah. Right? What is your top five favorite chocolate bars? I know you get this question all the time. <laughs> well, right? as I mentioned earlier, it's not a chocolate bar. It's a thing I buy in bulk is the red chili pistachio. I, I just love that. First, you just taste the nut and the chocolate. And then as you swallow a couple of times, the chili opens up on the back of the throat. And I often I sample it out liberally to people here. And, and I and I watch them where they're, they're eating it and they go... I don't taste any chili. And then I can just say, mm -hmm. and now, and, <laughs> yes, it, and then no. they go, oh yeah. And, and it opens up late <laughs> on the back of the throat. And it's just so wonderful. 
what do I sell? Um, a lot of I like a lot of stuff from Ecuadorian beans, um, Camino Verde and uh, Costa Esmeraldas. There's a a nice bar I really like from uh, Stone Grinds of Ar- Arizona that does a uh, 85 Costa Esmeraldas, and I have a gentleman from New Zealand who also does a similar bar, Carl Hogarth. Um, I love. I do, as I mentioned, the dark milk chocolate. There's a company, a Italian company called Slitti, S-L-I-T-T-I, and they have a 62 and a 70% uh, cacao milk chocolate they call Latinero. And um, to me, it's like eating a chocolate milkshake. Uh, I really like those a lot. And they predate most of the artisans. I've had those for more than 15 years. You're gonna. I'm gonna get one of those before I go. I, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> chocolate milkshake. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> So, but the only way you can get any of these, the only way some a listener can get this, mostly is if they come here. You can't buy your bars online, right? I don't sell online. So we're having over a thousand bars, and there's many bars I buy just six at a time or eight or ten. It's I don't. I'm not looking to buy pallets full of stuff and do volume on any one bar. I'm into offering this incredible experience of choice, and I don't think that's something that you can do online. Most of the people who do things online, they would sell maybe two or three hundred bars or less, and they'd be buying it in quantities. And then it's all about logistics and right. weather across the country. Yep. Uh, I, I do ship packages for people. I'm happy to, if people either call me or email me and I have it, it's yours. And, and I do mail things out. As long as temperatures are not well above 72 degrees, it's not very expensive and it's pretty easy to mail chocolate. Above that temperature, I tell people um, it's not worth it unless you're you know really buying a lot because the freight to get it to you safely would be uh, exorbitant. But below 72 degrees, it's easy. And people who've been in the store or people who've heard about me, they're more than welcome to call and or email. And if I have it, I will send it. But I'm not going to promise the whole internet community that I will have 1,100 bars in stock at all times. I don't want to hire. I'm not the guy who's going to sit at the computer all day and and program it and in stock, out of stock, take pictures, put it up online. That's, and I'm not, I don't plan to hire anybody to do that. And um, of course, I would do a lot more volume if I did that. I just wouldn't have as much fun. Right. That's right. And this is totally curated. All this chocolate in here, it's yes. all Jack's taste. No, I, no? I wouldn't say it's my taste, as I said, because there's many things I won't eat. Uh, it's my, it's my taste in the in the sense that it's it's my perception of its quality. And that there's a reason for it to be here. That's all I ask myself or my few employees to do. If someone comes in and asks for something, you just have to know if it's here, where it is in the store, and why it's here. I I need to know what's here and why it's here. And that's all. I don't have to describe the taste to people. I'd rather give them an actual sample to try if I can. Or just tell them, hey, I take a chance, you take a chance. And if you don't like it, I'll back it up. I'll give you something else. <laughs> but like I say, I, I, I make every effort to ascertain that everything here is a quality item. And then everyone decides what they like best for themselves. We're not snobs about chocolate. We sell white chocolate, which is technically not chocolate, but we have lots of it. We sell chocolate gummy bears, chocolate malt balls. Um, we're not uh, we're not snobs about, about the world of chocolate, although we do cater to a few of them. I see the milk chocolate gummy bears up on the shelf here. <laughs> yeah, and they also come dark chocolate now. Those are, I guess, from a company back east called Coppers. Let's not talk about chocolate, because you obviously have a passion for San Francisco. What is your favorite um, cuisine that you like to eat in San Francisco? Oh, 
I, I, I do like food. Um, I like lots of ethnic food. I eat lots of Chinese food, Thai food, uh, lots of Mexican food. Uh, I, people you know, say how they come in here all the time and they go, I couldn't work in this store. I could eat chocolate all day. I go, mm-hmm. I can because uh, although I like chocolate and sweets, my more issues with food are about noodles and rice and meat and potatoes and fried food and bread and butter. I like to have a little bread with my butter. You know, um, those are the things uh, I would have trouble in a delicatessen. It would be a slice for you, a slice for me. You know, it would be it would be a horrible story. But here, I, I have chocolate every day, but I don't have a lot of it. I, I, I choose a treat for myself. Uh, there's some days where I'm trying new chocolates or quality controlling things where I might have a little more. I don't eat copious amounts of chocolate. Well, should I think anyone should eat copious amounts, but you could have some every day. Everything in moderation. Yeah. yeah. Well, if somebody comes and they want to come down 24th and maybe have lunch and then come over here and see what you got and taste some stuff, what would you recommend? for lunch around here? Well, you people do ask me about that, and I ask them what they're looking for. You know, there's uh, several great brunch places. Griddle Fresh just changed their name to Aha Fresh. They're very oh. good. And then there's um, Toast is here. Uh, there's Novi. There's a lot of, several good restaurants, although, you know, since I eat lunch and occasionally dinner on the street every night, I sometimes wish there was a little more. But uh, there's more than enough for you to come here and get. There's Pachi's Pizza. There's... Uh, Hamano Sushi, there's there's quite a bit, Barney's Hamburgers. Uh, we've lost two restaurants, and I'm uh, recently, uh, the Indian restaurant just closed, Holy Kitchen, oh. and Contigo, a very famous restaurant, just closed, but somebody's going to take their place, and I'm looking forward to what new comes in. What's your favorite Thai restaurant in the city? Well, we got turned on to, 36 years ago when we moved here. Friends of ours took us to this small place on Geary Street near Stanyan. It's just called the Thai Cafe. And uh, I've been going to this Thai restaurant for 36 years. And lately, we, we've we've taken, my partner and I, we take Tuesdays off, uh, Tuesday afternoon. And uh, often we'll call them from here and order uh, an order of pad siu with broccoli and an order of spicy shrimp pad thai. And we'll drive over there and pick it up and then take it out to either uh, Land's End or Stowe Lake or Chrissy Field. And we're always amazed that it's still hot when we get there. And we'll sit in the car or a bench, and we'll have our Thai food, and then walk. That's what I do mostly on days off in the city: is uh, eat and walk. We'll we'll go and have our North Beach. um, We love to go to North Beach and go to Golden Boy Pizza for a slice of pan pizza, square pizza. Uh, Their their dough is just incredible. And then we'll go around the corner to Tony's and have more of a New York slice do a little pizza crawl in North Beach. Uh, sometimes we'll go to 22nd and Irving to um, Sunrise Deli for falafel balls and and make a little picnic out of, out of that. So uh, we have our places that we go, and, uh, and then it's basically uh, my day off in San Francisco is uh, eating and walking. We'll go, uh, you know, to the ferry building uh, sometimes. Uh, and walk the Embarcadero. So it's a, always a combination of a, a nice walk and, and some fun uh, local San Francisco food. It sounds like a great life, and it's no wonder you don't want anything to change too much. No, no, I uh, yeah, don't want to rock the boat. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, how about ice cream? Do you, you love ice cream? I do. I do. I like Double Rainbow. Very loyal. When I moved to Noe Valley, there used to be a Double Rainbow store here, and their Ultra Chocolate is still one of my favorites. And one of the places we go on our play days off for dessert is uh, over on 5th and Clement is a place that's been there forever called Toy Boat. Uh, and uh, they carry Double Rainbow there, and they have some great uh, black and white uh, cookies that they fly in from New York, <gasps> which uh, I like quite a bit, a little nostalgic. Black and white is a classic yeah. New York. Yeah. I was going to say, black and white is totally classic yeah. New York. Favorite flavor of ice cream? Are you exotic? Chocolate. Just chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> You're like Christine. When I was growing up, it was vanilla, but I've evolved to chocolate. Thank you. Nice. You appreciate a good vanilla. I do. And I also appreciate a good cookies and cream, which is the Oreo <laughs> yeah, part. So. Anything Oreos is great. I, I got to say, I can make a meal out of, uh, I take a, a, a tall glass and um, put in six to eight Oreos, uh, fill it with ice cold milk. And step away from it for a minute or two. What? And then come back to it. Awesome. As the Oreos are crumbling, awesome. you spoon them out one at a time, and they melt in your mouth, and then you drink the milk down, and when you get to the bottom, you have Oreo sludge, which is just incredible. What? It's yeah, funny. it's a little gross. Uh, as a child, I would do this at the uh, in a oh. luncheonette at the can- at the counter, and I'd see people move away from me a little bit, but I got to tell you, it's... it's pretty wonderful comfort i think it's fantastic because it's like it's kind of like an unshaken milkshake well it's before people started making oreo shakes it was my own primitive version of an oreo shake (laughs) gonna have to try that oh you don't (laughs) i i love oreos and so i know you're gonna you're gonna try it then and tell me how it is do it kind of already because i i do i'm a dunker as well so i do like to dunk my oreos in milk yeah i just Leave them all in there for a little bit. You'll, <laughs> you'll see. Good, getting tips and recipes from Jack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, Jack, if you weren't doing this, what would you be doing? That's a scary question. I don't know what I would be doing. I, I Well, I might be retired now and, as I said, living in a less expensive part of the world, which would uh, make me very unhappy. Um oh. I'm right where you're supposed to be. I am right where I don't know what else I would want to do right now. I I love this business. I love, I love the uh, fact that there's new every day that there's new chocolate, new creativity in it. I love the fact that when people come in, they're happy and I send them out happier. I love the little kids who come in here and I give them all free chocolate, assuming I've already asked their parents if it's okay. (laughs) We don't go and ask children if they want chocolate. We ask their parents if it's okay to offer their children chocolate, but everybody's uh, entitled to some as soon as they walk in here, if they like. And, uh, I can't think of anything else that I would rather be doing right now. Love it. I know. Seriously. I, I wouldn't have mind have won the lottery last week, but that didn't happen. So I'll still be here. Okay. You try, though. I won $5. Oh. oh hey, that's hey. better than a poke in the eye with a sharp stick. Yeah. Yeah. It cost me six to make that five, though. Oh. Well. <laughs> that's part. A dollar to play a game. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever want to make chocolate yourself? I never wanted to do the being the bar thing. I thought if I had the right space, it would have been fun to have three or four tempering machines going, each with a different fabulous chocolate in it, and then offer the people the uh, opportunity to dip fresh fruits or, or, you know, 
bananas or strawberries, you know, et cetera. Um, I get calls all the time for chocolate covered strawberry owing to the name of our business being chocolate covered and people wanting strawberries and we don't do it because they have no shelf life. You have to sell them, you know, make them and sell them pretty instantly. Uh, but if I, if I ever had a space big enough, that would be fun just to have, uh, you know, say in this machine, we have a blend of these two fabulous chocolates going and in this machine, it's this chocolate and you can dip, you know, whatever you want in those machines and, and do that. But the reality is I, I, I don't want to clean up that mess. Oh yes. <laughs> it is a mess. And, uh, I do not recommend and it. And I will never do it probably. But if I was, that'd be about it. I'm very, I'm in a good position uh, between the manufacturers and, and the consumer. And uh, I don't need to, if it's anything I would really like, I, I will ask people uh, like Christine, if they would do something for me that I think would work. I have had people do that before. And uh, there's no reason for me to do that when there's so many people already set up with much greater knowledge and skill. Uh, and my skill is, is merchandising it and getting it to the public. And so we each do his own thing. Yeah, and you're very well respected in this industry, and people really do trust your opinions and your palate too. So, like I say, we're honest, and we don't tell you what you what you should like. We just offer you choice of quality, and let let everybody figure it out. Awesome! Can you tell us how people can contact you? Chocolate Covered is located at four zero six nine Twenty Fourth Street, located between Noe and Castro, a little closer to Castro, right near the Noe Valley Bakery. And our phone number is four one five. Six four one eight one two three, and email is the name of the business plus the letters SF like San Francisco chocolate covered SF at gmail.com and I will do my best to uh, answer anybody's questions and uh, get you whatever chocolate uh, you want. Great. And congratulations on your 25 years. Yeah, ain't that something? <laughs> that is something. Is that, is that silver? It is. Congratulations on your silver anniversary, Jack. Yes. It's pretty amazing. And it seemed, it, you know, it seemed to happen really quick. <laughs> I don't know. It flies when you're having fun. Yeah, it, yeah. it, it, it is. hope for another 25 more years. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll go with that. <laughs> Chocolate keeps you young. It does. Maybe. <laughs> well, thank you so much for Yes, your time. thank you I so appreciate it It was fun, anytime Thank you for listening to Let Us Wrap with Christine and Tammy Thank you to our engineer and producer Jason Anthony Guy Please subscribe and rate us on iTunes If you have any feedback or suggestions please tweet us at Let Us Wrap Pod or email us at Let Us Wrap Pod at gmail.com Take it away, Jack It's a wrap